0: You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers with your host, Bang and Dang. Bang here, just to give you guys kind of like a quick introduction to part three of, part three, and the final part of O.J. Simpson murder trial saga, whatever you want to call it. But um we recorded this initially the same night that we recorded part two, and we're going to plan on just doing a part, just two parts, but part two turned into over two hours of recording, so... Decided to split it up into three, and uh, if you guys don't know, we went, from the first episode, we went back and looked at the murders, and also the infamous Bronco chase on the highway, and then the second episode was all about the trial. Mainly, a good portion of it was the prosecutions, and then we got into a little bit at the end about the defense, and uh, first they were focusing on um, contaminated evidence, and then it turned into... They switched their their, um, defense up and turned into cops tried to plant the evidence and were out to get OJ. And that's where we ended off part two and where we will start this third part with the accusations and the rest of the defense, the trial, as well as the the verdict and the reactions across the country afterwards and all the aftermath stuff. You guys know how we do it, so that's what's going to be coming up right now. The only physical evidence offered by the defense that the police tried to frame Simpson was the allegation that two of the 108 DNA evidence samples tested in the case contained the preservative. Not going to try to say the word, but it's. Ethodi- eth- ethyl- tetracytic acid, or EDTA. All right, we'll do that. Ironically, it was. The prosecution who asked to have the samples tested for the preservative, not the defense. Oh. The defense alleged that the drop of blood on the back gate of the Bundy crime scene, which matched Simpson, and the blood found on the pair of socks in Simpson's bedroom, which matched brown, were planted by the police. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, Yeah. The sock thing. I don't know, man. I'm sketchy on the socks. I'm sketchy on the socks. Little... Sock, so I have been since... Since, since they were introduced the glove the sock the gloves the sock and the uh pants and the shoes no the shoes are gone uh well the pants shoes and shirt are gone Right. that's what they claimed he wrapped up in the knapsack but he left but he left the socks <laughs> but he left, that's what i'm saying i'm sketching on the socks and the glove and he knew he dropped the other glove right at the simpsons so i'm saying that's why that's andy knew he dropped the other glove in his yard and it, it, from the beginning this all hinged on the glove dude In order to support the claim, the defense pointed to the presence of EDTA, a preservative found in the purple top collection tubes used for the police reference vials in the samples. July 24th, 1995, Dr. Frederick Reuters, a forensic toxicologist who had analyzed results provided by FBI Special Agent Roger Martz, testified that the level of EDTA in evidence samples was higher than which is normally found in blood. Oh. This appeared to support the claim that they may have come from the reference vials. Oh, okay. Well, as always, during... Well, as always, during cross-examination, Clark asked Dr. Riders to read out loud the portion of the EPA article that stated what normal levels of EDTA in blood are, which he referenced during his testimony. This demonstrated that he misread it And that the levels found in the evidence samples were consistent with those found in blood that was not preserved in a police reference vial. Really? Dr. Riders then claimed it was a typo, but the prosecution produced a direct copy from the EPA confirming the normal amounts of EDTA found in unpreserved blood. He was trying to cover his ass, trying to cover his ass, but they, they, they threw out original copy from the, (laughs) from the EPA saying, nah, I don't think so. Back on the prosecution side. Right. I mean, it's (laughs) still close though. Yeah. I mean, Shit's going on, dude. They just—they're oh, like—they're like—they're—they're. They're, is the FBI involved in this? No, not that I know of. They're—they're <laughs> they're like checkmating each other, right. not checkmating each other, but oh, they're, they're checking like, each other they're and like, they're getting out of it, dude. Right. Both of them are. It's more uh sloppiness on the prosecution side, though. It's more prosecution. I mean, it's more uh, sloppiness on the prosecution side. Though. Well, especially with the handling yeah. of the. Yeah, I mean, we can go back to that 100%. That should have, that, that, that should be the number one thing the jurors looked at. Well, we've already got ad- admission from these two guys or two so people that they know didn't change gloves. How can we know how much is right. evidence throughout right. the other processes? Some we're not. Sh- shitty shit's going on. Right. We don't know. Mm, even though it's all starting to make sense why, uh, that happened. The prosecution also had Dr. Riders admit that the EDTA is also found in food and specifically the ingredients used in McDonald's, Big Mac and French fries that Simpson had eaten earlier that night with Kato Kaelin. I thought it was Burger King. Well, somebody said they thought it was. FBI and- Special Agent, because the crystal meth dealer, right? he hung out a Burger King, on McDonald's. Oh, well, you notice that hasn't been brought up in the trial at all, so that right. was bullshit. Uh-huh. FBI Special Agent Roger March was called by the defense on the 25th of July, 1995, to testify that EDTA was present in the evidence samples, yet instead said, he did not identify EDTA in the blood sample. Wow! Well, you Contradicting, did, look at you just you just asked if FBI was involved. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Contradicting the testimony given by Dr. Riders the day before. Mm. Initially, he conceded the blood samples responded like EDTA responded and was consistent with the presence of EDTA, but clarified his response after hearing during the lunch break that everyone is saying that I found EDTA, but. I tell you right now, I am not saying that, he said. So he changed his testimony based on um, chatter during lunch break. They were on lunch break, and everybody's like, oh, he found EDTA. And now he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back on a minute. Right. Did not- no, what what happened is somebody approached him and was like, you better say you didn't find EDTA. Right. Oh, oh dude, come on, again. man. On lunch break, you're not even supposed to be talking about the case right. when you're on lunch break. However. No, ever. Not just lunch break. Ever, right. Jeez. When the defense accused their own witness of changing his demeanor to favor the prosecution, he replied, quote unquote, I cannot be entirely truthful by only giving yes and no answers. How? Can you not? You say yes and no. That's That's the only way to be entirely truthful <laughs> is to say yes or no. Martin <laughs> <laughs> Yes but no. <laughs> no but maybe. <laughs> right. He's like he's like, give me a maybe or something. <laughs> you gotta get a maybe in there and uh <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, Martz stated that it was impossible to ascertain with certainty the presence of EDTA while as while the presumptive test for EDTA was positive, the identification test for EDTA was inconclusive. What? Oh, Martz, Martz also tested his own unpreserved blood and got the same results for EDTA levels as um, the evidence samples, I mean, which he said conclusively disproved the claim the evidence right. blood came from the reference vials. Right. Well, he contended that the defense had jumped to conclusions from the presumptive test results, while well, his tests had in fact shown that, quote-unquote, those bloodstains did not come from preserved blood. Mm. Wow, that didn't go well for the defense, did it? No. See, no. I mean, but it kind of did it with that other guy. Backtracking and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The defense alleged that Simpson's blood on the back gate at the Bundy crime scene was planted by the police. The blood on the back gate was collected on 3rd of July, 1995, rather than on June 13th, the day after the moita. That's what they're saying. Whoa! Or that's what happened, right? A whole month almost? Wow. The volume of DNA on that blood was significantly higher than the other blood evidence collected on the 13th of June. How's that possible? Hmm. The volume of DNA was so high that the defense conceded that it could not be explained by contamination in the lab. Yet noted that it was unusual for that blood to have more dna on it than the other samples collected at the crime scene especially since it had been left exposed to elements for several weeks and after the crime scene has supposedly been washed yeah so they they cleaned the crime scene already after this point but and still got to come back 3 weeks later and collect evidence on the uh, the gate Okay, here, that's a big jump towards the defense. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, wow, what is happening here? March 20th, 1995, Van testified that he instructed Fung to collect the blood on the gate on June 13th, and Fung admitted that he had not done so. So another the Fung guy that admitted to not changing his gloves between um, did you get the uh, gate? evidence collection. Did you get the gate? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get the <sighs> gate. The defense suggested the reason why Fung did not collect the blood is because it was not there that day. Sheck showed a blown-up photograph taken to the back gate on June 13th and admitted that he could not see it in the photograph. Okay. The prosecution responded by showing that a different photograph showed that the blood was present on the back gate on June 13th and before the blood had been taken from Simpson's arm. Oh, so now we got two different photographs. Which ones? Let get the hell out of here. I don't, I don't know, man. This is all just fishy stuff here. I want to know the whole backstory here. Well, Sheck is on the defense team, and he showed him a blown-up photograph. There's no blown And up. Fung said, I could not see it in the photograph. But then they come back, and or the prosecution says, well, wait a minute, we have a different photograph showing All it right. was there on June 13th. But if it was there on June 13th, why didn't Fung go collect it? All right. This Fung guy, I don't know, uh, this guy, he, I hope he was fired right after this pro- trial. Him and um the uh, chick. All of them. All of them. Because they both suck at their uh, evidence collection. Officer Robert Risk was the first officer to of the crime scene, and he was the one who pointed out the blood on the back gate to Furman, who documented it in his notes that night. So the, the it's documented in police notes mm-hmm. that okay. night. Multiple other officers also testified under oath that the blood was present on the back gate the night of the murders. The prosecution also pointed out that the media cameras present proved that Van, A- Van never returned to the Bundy crime scene which is Brown's home, that evening where Simpson's blood was allegedly planted. Well, It wouldn't have been that evening because they didn't plant it didn't, until July. It was planted in July. But there's still cameras, so he never returned. Right. So the defense is trying to say they planted it there, but we got multiple officers stating, yeah, we seen it on the gate the night of the murders. And we have photo evidence of it. But do they? Uh, taking an L for the defense here. <sighs> It's getting a little funky. Barry Sheck alleged the police had twice planted the victim's blood inside Simpson's Bronco. An initial collection was made on June 13th. The defense accused Van of planting the victim's blood in the Bronco when he returned to Simpson's home later that evening. The prosecution responded that the Bronco had already been impounded by the time Van returned It was not even at Rockingham at the, at that time. He could have done that. He could have planted it and impound. But they looked at the Bronco when they were there. Sure. Before they went to... Uh, I don't know this whole thing. I right. <laughs> well, we oh, don't know. Geez. The defense alleged that the police had planted Brown's blood on the socks found in Simpson's bedroom also. The socks were collected on 13th of June and had blood from both Simpson and Brown. But her blood on the socks was not identified until August August 4th. Don't know uh, how, but okay. Right, The socks were found by Furman, but the defense suggested Venator planted the blood. He had received both blood... Uh, reference vials from the victims earlier that day from the coroner and booked them immediately into evidence. Well, they alleged Venader then drove back to Rockingham later that evening to hand deliver the reference vial for Simpson to Fung, which the defense alleged gave him opportunity to plant the blood. Fung testified he could not see blood on the socks he collected from Simpson's bedroom. Wow. But the prosecution later demonstrated that those blood stains are only visible underneath the microscope. Oh, get out of here. Little splatters. And he's wearing pants. Okay, or, wait. No blood splatters on though, socks. Wait, on though. Pants, though. I was initially skeptical of the socks. There's no blood scattering on socks when you're wearing pants. Come on, he's an old man. they are probably high, uh, high up. Yeah. And, uh, either way, I was skeptical on the socks because why man would he. In 30s. No. By the time this took no. place. Oh, he's probably in his 50s, yeah. 40s, at least. Yeah. 40, approaching. Um, but still, that isn't, I don't, I don't, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm still skeptical on the socks because right. if he took all the other colon items, he would have taken the socks too. Obviously. I don't care. Right. Vanadder denied planting Brown's blood on the socks. Of obviously. course he did. The video from Willie Ford indicated that the socks had already mm-hmm. been collected and stored in an evidence van before Vanadder arrived. And footage from the media cameras present appeared to prove that he never went inside the evidence van when he arrived at Rockingham. Yeah, because yeah. they got all, all of the hundreds of reporters Boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, right. that were there, right? Get the hell out of there. The last exhibit allegedly planted was the bloody glove found at Simpson's property by Furman. Unlike the sock in the back gate, the defense provided no physical or eyewitness evidence to support their claim that the prosecution could then refute. Jeffrey Tubin. Oh geez. Oh, well, just this uh, Jeffrey uh, right. Jeffrey uh, Jack me off on uh, Canberra Tubin right. published an article in the New York no, New Yorker months before the trial began, which cited a source in Simpson's defense team that they intended to accuse Furman of planting the glove with the motive being racism. Oh, Robert Shapiro, who, uh later admitted he was Tubin's source. Defense attorney F. Lee Bailey suggested that Furman found the glove at the crime scene, picked it up with a stick, and placed it in a plastic bag and then concealed it in a sock when he drove to Simpson's home with Detectives Lane, Banatter, and Phillips. Bailey suggested that then he planted the glove in order to frame Simpson, with the motive either being a racism or desire to become the hero in a high-profile case. Sheck also suggested that Furman broke into Simpson's bronco and used the glove like a paintbrush to paint blood onto the inside of the bronco. Oh, wow. Onto and inside the bronco. Onto and (laughs) inside Um, the bronco. But that... (laughs) That's a little that. sketchy. He put it in his sock. The prosecution denied that Furman planted the glove. Of course they would. There's the <laughs> a prosecution. They noted that several officers had already combed over the crime scene for almost two hours before Furman arrived, and none had noticed the second glove at the scene. None did. Nobody. Nobody noticed the glove at the scene. Second glove. They found Nobody. the first they found the first glove at the scene of the crime, but not the second glove. All right. The second glove was found at OJ's. Lang testified that fourteen other officers were there when Furman arrived and all said there was only one glove at the crime scene. Lieutenant Frank Spangler also testified that he was with Furman for the duration of this time and stated he would have seen Furman purloin the glove if he had in fact done so. I mean I mean OJ, can we trust yeah, can well, but but, but, but OJ can we trust we honor we already know officers stick up for each other. Right. So it's not like it's not like one guy's gonna be like, yeah, I seen him do it. Clark added that Furman did not know whether Simpson had an alibi, if there were any witnesses to the murders, whose blood was on the glove, that the Bronco belonged to Simpson, or whether Caitlin had already searched the area where the glove was found. I find the 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 uh the the claim that they don't know the Bronco belonged to Simpson a false a falsify. That's a lie. Right. You're telling me they don't know Bron- uh, Simpson drove around in a white frickin' Bronco. Right. Get the hell out of here, dude! Right, Simpson was a freaking celebrity then. Wow, on the top of his game then, on commercials everywhere. He, he was everywhere. movies, right? Uh, I mean, Darren Cross examination—he had a Bronco, right? Darren Cross examination by Bailey Furman denied that he he had used the word <laughs> to describe African Americans in the ten years prior to his testimony. Hey, man, that's what's in the testimony. A few months later, the defense discovered the audio tapes of Furman repu- uh, A few months later, the defense discovered audio tapes of Furman repeatedly using the word. 41 times in total. 41 times in total, eight years before the murders. Mm. The Furman tapes became the cornerstone of the defense's case that Furman's testimony lacked credibility. Clark called the tapes the biggest red herring there ever was. I mean, if this guy is like a known racist, and he's like, he hated, maybe he hated the Buffalo Bills. He hated O.J. Simpson. Or he just hated black people. No, maybe he hated O.J. Simpson all his life. Or he just hated black people. maybe O.J. Simpson beat his favorite team. Do you, you, uh, but... Yeah, he hated he, black people, no, too. No, but I'm saying, you realize we're still only two or three years now removed from the riots. Right. What I'm saying, though, right? O.J. Simpson also probably beat his favorite NFL team, and he's black, and he has a chance to put him down. Maybe he lost the money on the bet. Well, the Bills never won the Super Bowl, no. so that doesn't matter. Well, they probably beat his team, though. And he was with San Francisco for like a couple years, and they didn't win the Super Bowl with him either. So, wait. O.J. Simpson with the Niners? Yeah. For like two years after, before he retired. Um, and LA never made it to no damn Super Bowl. So, I don't think that would be the case. Right. Maybe he was a Chicago man. Maybe he was a Bears fan. Maybe it was a Bears won the Super Bowl in 85, right? So he wouldn't be mad at all. Maybe he's a Lions fan. (sighs) Still has nothing to do with anything. Has everything to do with. But anyways, Marsha Clark called the tapes the biggest red herring there ever was. All Lions fans should be uh, uh, suspects of murder. (laughs) (laughs) Any any crime in the country, like any crime in the country, that's the first criteria they check: were they Lions fans? Nope. All right, we need all Lions fans. (laughs) We know. Every time a murder happens, like all right, give me a list of all the Lions fans. We expect a call every time, every time we hear of a murder. All right. Were you in Chicago? Nope. Okay. Anybody you know? Nope. (laughs) Every, all Lions fan knows to always document their, uh, their movements so we can prove our whereabouts. (laughs) We did not, especially with, well, after McKinney was forced to hand over the tapes to the defense, Furman says he asked the prosecution for a redirect to explain the context of those tapes. But the prosecution and his fellow police officers abandoned him after Ito played the audio tapes in open court for the public to hear. Oh, damn. So, yep, they turned on their own. They were like, well, can't associate with this guy no more. The public reaction to the tapes was explosive and compared to the video of Rodney King beaten from a year prior. Oh, wow. Instant. That's bad. Boom. Any doubt anybody had against OJ from before this tapes is gone. Yep. Gone. Yep. Dude, dude, that's why there dude, were no riots when when OJ when um when when the defense got a hold of these tapes, they're probably oh geez, <laughs> yeah. they probably like, OJ was like, all right, wow. OJ was probably telling them, let's not take this a racist way, right? And then the tapes came when the out. tapes came out, they like, were going the racist way. He's like, you got it, <laughs> wow, you got it, dude, wow. After the trial, Furman said that he was not a racist. Hmm. As racist That's racist. That's what a racist would say. <laughs> and he apologized for his previous language, as a racist would do. Let's call it. This was probably racist. He's probably as racist, this Furman guy. He was saying that he was play-acting for a screenplay when he made it. I'm not a racist, and, and I feel bad for using those words, and I would never use those words. But when I did use those words, I was play-acting for a screenplay when those tapes were made. Number one, and he said he said he was ass. Number one, this be wait a wait, wait 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 wait. What we're missing here is this lends to the credence that um, the defense is saying he's trying to be the hero of the case. This dude's acting for a screenplay. This dude wants to be an actor. This dude wants to be an actor. So what does that say? He's looking for a little bit of fame here. We already seen this before earlier. The other guy, but he was already right. quickly discredited. But now it's now just coming out. This dude was supposedly... Oh, and then he just said he was asked to be as dramatic as possible. And that's what he says, right? Wow. Well, many of his minority former co-workers expect support for him, though. Of course On September do. 6, 1995, Furman was called back to the witness stand by the defense after the prosecution refused to redirect him to answer more questions. The jury was absent, but the exchange was televised. Why was the jury absent? Right. I don't like that. Uh, Furman facing a possible prosecution for perjury... Was instructed. Oh, that's probably why the jersey right, jury wasn't right, there. Yeah. He was instructed by his attorney to invoke the fifth amendment to avoid self incrimination to two consecutive questions he was asked. Oh, jeez. He's trying to say he's not a racist, but he can't. Uh, but they're on, it's, it's on tape of him being it, a ra- he, racist. Yeah, right. this, uh, fifth amendment. I choose the fifth on that one, bud. Defense attorney Ullman asked Furman if it was his intention to plead the fifth to all questions. And Furman's attorney instructed him to reply, yes, it was. Yuleman then briefly spoke with other members of the defense and he said,
1: and, and said that he
0: had just one more question. He goes, I got one more question for you. Uh, oh, Mr. Furman, did you plant or manufacture any evidence in this case? Following his attorney's instructions, Furman replied, I choose to assert my fifth amendment privilege. They thought they were going to catch him. They thought they were going to catch him with, uh, instructed him to reply yes, like he was going to reply yes of to he that one. Oh, come on. Of course he would. Come on. The guys ain't that stupid, man. Wow. <sighs> or oh, Yeah, he couldn't say no either because then he'd be lying. Right. Wow. He said, I plead the fifth. But even then, plead, now you're pleading the fifth. Plead the fifth. No comment. That means you're guilty a little bit, right? I'll say. I'll say. <laughs> wow. Cochran, responded, Cochran responded to Furman's pleading the fifth by accusing the other officers of being involved in a quote-unquote cover-up right. to protect Furman and asked Judge Ito to suppress all the evidence that Furman found. Ito denied the request, Why? stating that pleading the F-5th does not imply guilt, which it doesn't, mm-hmm. and there was no evidence of fraud. Cochran then asked the jury to be allowed to hear Furman taking the 5th and again Ito denied his request. Ito also criticized the defense theory of how Furman allegedly planted the glove, stating it would strain logic to believe that. Um... I agree with the judge's decision on all this because yeah. it, it. You can't do that. That's that's just. I mean, you can't do that. Yeah, you he was can't called back. Right, you can't. Pertaining to his perjury, right. likely and maybe perjury. And when you plead, yeah, I mean, come on, it'd be different if you pleaded guilty or whatever. And then a jury has or to. Or no that. contest or right. something, right? Jury has to hear that. Yeah, no. Everybody says no contest and plead the fifth. No, they're not the same. No contest. Okay. Is your, no contest is well. Here's where it gets interesting. Right. June 15, 1995, Christopher Darden surprised Marshall Clark by asking Simpson to try on the gloves found at the crime scene and his home. Uh-oh. Surprised Marshall Clark. Marshall Clark was like, what are you doing? They're not, they're never gonna, they're never gonna make him try on the gloves. Wow. The prosecution had early decided against asking Simpson to try them on because they had been soaked in blood from Simpson, Brown, and Goldman, and frozen and unfrozen several times. I mean, it's true. It's, it was probably leather. They're probably leather gloves, right? Instead, they presented a witness who testified that Brown had purchased a pair of those gloves in the same size in 1990 at Bloomingdale's for Simpson. Along, how do they know that he's she's person at for Simpson? Along with well, they, they were married that time, right. so along with the receipt and a photo during the trial of Simpson earlier, wearing the same type of gloves. Oh, same type, though. So I'm sure he was out in public or something. Right. Like he was waving with right. them on or something. Same type you know. of gloves. Well, when they he tried gloves. them on... They're leather, though, and they got frozen, unfrozen, dude. Yeah. That's true. They could have shrunk. That's what leather does. Well, when he tried them on, the leather, the leather gloves appeared too tight for Simpson to put on easily, especially over the latex gloves he wore underneath. Oh, wow. I mean, it's not that... Right, latex right. again. Clark claimed that Simpson was acting when he appeared to be struggling to put on the gloves, yet Cochrane replied, I don't think he could act the size of his hands. All right. <laughs> Darden then told Edo of his concerns that Simpson has arthritis, and we looked at the medication he takes and some of his anti-inflammatory, and we are told that he has not taken the stuff for a day, and it caused swelling in the joints and inflammation in his hands. <laughs> So sort they're of saying that he didn't take his arthritis pill, so his hands are bigger than hands are bigger pills. than what they usually would right. have been. Right, right. Mm. I don't know about that, guys. Mm. Physical evidence. Conklin informed Edo the next day that Sean Chapman contacted an L.A. County Jail doctor who confirmed Simpson was taking his authorized medication every day. Okay, and that the jail's medical records verified this. Yep. Ullman came up with, and Conklin repeated a quip he used in his closing arguments. If it doesn't fit, you must e-quit. Well, I'll quit, but, yeah. All right. I like that. I'll quit. Yeah. Uh, the prosecution stated they believe the gloves shrank from having been soaked in the blood of the victims. There's no, proof. There's no proof. Richard Rubin, former vice president of the glove maker Aris Isotoner Inc., which makes the gloves in question, testified on September 12, 1995 that the gloves had indeed shrunk from their original size. It doesn't matter. Darden produced a new pair of the same type of gloves, which fit which fit Simpson when he tried them on. Were they okay? They have that tag in the gloves, right? To say, Let's they say the size, size or something, whatever. right? Okay. After right. the trial, Cockham revealed that Bailey had goaded Darden into asking Simpson to try on the gloves, and that Shapiro had told Simpson in advance how to give the appearance that they did not fit. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't um, know about that. that either. I don't know. I mean, about maybe that. though. Maybe. They were frozen, unfrozen several times. They probably didn't fit. I mean, they probably didn't fit. Mm. Yeah. Then, did they fit when it was happening? In closing arguments, Darden ridiculed the notion that police officers might have wanted to frame Simpson. He questioned why. If the LAPD was against Simpson, they went to his house eight times on domestic violence calls against Brown between 1986 and 1988, but did not arrest him. They only arrested him on charges of abuse in January 1989, when photos of Brown's face were entered into the record. Darden knows the police did not arrest Simpson for five days after the 1994 murders. Yeah, but that's how famous celebrities right. do it with their their chance lawyers and shit. They make it right. Get right. out of here. During the prosecution's... You Roger Stone. Right. Well, <laughs> during the prosecution's closing argument, Cochran and Sheck very notably objected 71 times in order to lessen its effect on the jury. And uh, though Ito overruled 69 of them, he did not once admonish Cochran or Sheck or threaten them with contempt of court for their behavior. In Cochran's summation to the jury, he was unable to refute any of the prosecution's claims, so he instead dedicated his entire argument to attacking the LAPD, particularly Furman, Lang, and Vanader. I still think at this time Judge Ito was thinking this is over. You guys are done. I'm not entertaining any of your. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can try all your little. Right. You guys can try all your little outla- outrageous right. shenanigans right. and all this shit. Listen no, to it. It's over. It makes does. for good TV. Right. The jury already knows. Right. We know. America knows. Mm-hmm. Your guys are going to prison for life, bud. I'm not entertaining anything you got. Right. Well, Conklin emphasized that Furman was proved to have repeatedly referred to black people as, and also have boasted of beating young black men in his role as a police officer. Mm. Cochrane compared Furman to Adolf Hitler and referred well, to him as a genocidal racist, a perjurer, America's worst nightmare, and the personification of evil. Personification of right. evil. Personification. Um, and it's also Adolf Hitler, not Adolf Hitler. Um, um little far with that one, Cochrane. Right. That's like, I don't know about that. Right. That's crazy. And claimed without proof that Furman had planted in the glove in an attempt to frame Simpson for the murders based purely on his dislike of interracial couples. I mean, I... I can see that. I part. can see that. I don't I know that. about the no, planting of evidence and anything that, as far as being back uh, in the day, racist against right, interracial right, couples. 100, in It was that. only 1995, and this guy is probably in his 50s, so, yeah, interracial couples. Yeah. Still a big thing back then. Well, Cochran, he also presented a piece of paper to the jury with the title of Natter's Big Lies and claimed, without any evidence or proof, that Venator had returned to the crime scene with Simpson's blood to plant it there, despite Venator having previously testified he had given it to Dennis Fung in order to avoid the exhibits from getting mixed up. Cochran referred to Furman and Venator as the two devils of deception, and very notably implored the jurors to stop this cover-up, and acquit Simpson and send the police a message, which was interpreted by many as naked appeal for jury nullification. Wow. That's what did it, dude. Uh, Cochran's closing arguments, dude. He he, he spoke like a freaking pastor yeah, at a church. He did. Did a he did a sermon did. in front of these jurors that were like. He was like, like some knock some shit into them. Like, he's basically saying he's basically saying Furman and these guys ain't Furman. And this what was the other guy? What was the other guy? Furman. Fanatter. Fanatter. These ain't. This isn't. I'm not talking about uh, Furman and Vanader. I'm talking about all of that as a whole. That's what he's saying. It's been corrupt for too long. No, he's literally saying firm right. end of an adder. But he's using them as, uh, as his thing. This has been, this has been this way for too long. Basically putting all the evidence against his client, everything, just to be like, this has been happening for a long time, not even regarding the case. This type of action has been happening for a long time. These guys are some known racists, known, uh, corrupt mo- mofos, and it's got to stop now. That's the way I see it. Following his summation, Cochran received numerous death threats. He hired bodyguards from Louis Farrakhan. Oh, shit. In response, Fred Goldman, who was himself Jewish, referred to Cochrane himself as the worst kind of racist ever. And he is a sick man for comparing Furman to Hitler while associating himself with Farrakhan. Oh, I mean, he's got a point. Who is widely considered a black supremacist and anti-Semite, which he's not considered. He is. While Robert Shapiro, also Jewish, expressed that he was particularly offended by conquering, comparing Furman's claims to the Holocaust, claiming that no comparison would ever be possible. Yeah, that's why I said a little, little too far with right. the uh, with the Hitler right. uh, shit yeah. there, bud. Yeah, he went a little too far. You're right, a little too far. In an interview regarding Vincent. Bugliosi's analysis on the case of Venator claimed that he was so infuriated at Cochran's claims about him that he felt a desire to strangle him in the courtroom. Don't say that. <laughs> Fears grew that race riots similar to the riots in '92 would erupt across Los Angeles Man, and the rest it's... of the country if Simpson were convicted of the murders. Nah, As a result, all LAPD uh, officers were put on twelve-hour shifts. Not the case. The police arranged for more than 100 police officers on horseback to surround the L.A. County Courthouse. Horseback? I don't know, got the Calvary. Right, moving on, on, on the day of the verdict. In case of rioting by the crowd. President Bill Clinton was briefed on security measures if rioting were to occur nationwide. The only testimony that the jury reviewed was of the limo driver park. <laughs> Wait, so they didn't review any other testimony besides parks? The only testimony that the jury reviewed was of the limo driver uh, park. Right, that guy, Park. His last name is Park, right? Right. 10.07 a.m. on Tuesday, October 3rd, 1995. O.J. Simpson. Found. Not guilty. Both counts of Moida. Wow. The jury arrived at the verdict by 3 p.m. on October 2nd. After four hours of deliberation. That's it, dude. Four hours. They already knew. They already knew. But it postponed the announcement. Obviously, they had to get shit together. After the verdict. Dude, everybody. Everybody, after they came to the verdict. Was probably all the judges and all the prosecutors, and everybody was like, Right. Every, even the judge. Are you serious? The judge, even O.J. Simpson, was, even Jimmy Cochran. What's his name? <laughs> is it Jimmy Cochran? What's his name? Joe John- Cochran? Johnny. Johnny Cochran. Yeah, Johnny Cochran. Even he was like, What? For mm. so, sure. After the verdict. Oh, this is it right here. Right. After the verdict was read, juror number nine, 44 year old Lionel Cryer, gave Simpson a black power raised fist salute. Really? And, the New York Times reported that Cryer was a former member of the revolutionary nationalist Black Panther party that prosecutors had inexplicably left on the panel. Wow. Wait a minute here. In the courtroom, after it was done, gave him the Black Power salute, dude. Wow. An estimated 100 million people worldwide watched or listened to the verdict's announcement. Long distance telephone call volume declined by 58%. And trading volume on the New York Stock Exchange has decreased by 41%. Because everybody's glued to the damn TV, dude. Water use just decreased as people avoided <laughs> using bathrooms. <laughs> so much work stopped that the verdict cost an estimated four hundred and eight, $480 million loss in productivity. Wow. Are you freaking serious? The United States Supreme Court received a message on the verdict during oral arguments, with the justices quietly passing a note to each other while listening to the attorney's presentation. Congressman canceled press conferences with one telling reporters, not only would you not be here, but I wouldn't be here either. Right. Uh, We're going to watch the trial, guys. Wow. African-American LAPD police chief Willie Williams indicated that he had no plans to reopen the investigation, saying of the acquittals, it doesn't mean there's another murderer. The LAPD also declined to re-examine the evidence with modern methods because Simpson cannot be tried. He said it doesn't mean there's another murderer. Right. Wow. The LAPD also declined to re-examine the evidence with modern methods because Simpson cannot be tried for the same crime again under the Fifth Amendment. Right. So what's done is done. He's officially acquitted of murder. Can never be tried again with it. Jeez. Wow. The strong public reaction to Brown's letters and statements describing her abuse spurred passage of the Violence Against Women Act in 1994. Which was so even before the trial, uh, right. wrapped up. Which Clark and Doug was referred to as the OJ rule. After the trial, researchers reported increased reporting, arrests, and harsher sentences for those convicted of domestic violence. Hey, well, I mean, there's one good thing that came out of it, huh? Right, right. Wow. After the verdict, Polling showed that 75% of white Americans thought Simpson was guilty, while 70% of African Americans thought he was innocent. (laughs) An NBC poll taken 10 years later in 2004 reported similar results, with 87% of whites believing he was guilty, compared to only 27% of African Americans believing so. Uh, Only 27? Yeah. Oh, it went up. So no, believe he went up to seventy three percent of uh, right. thinking he was innocent. Right. Went more thinking he was innocent. Yeah, um, in two thousand sixteen, twenty years after the verdict, Poland showed the gap had narrowed, with a majority of both now believing he was guilty. Right, eighty three percent of white Americans and fifty seven percent of black after Americans. More after all this yeah. shit, well, he yeah. was. You believe really, oh, in two thousand sixteen? Though he had already been the, arrested on the um right. the uh oh, sh- did the book the well the shit that he held those guys hostages right. for right. stealing his memorabilia and right. shit. So. Wow. Jeez, dude. Wow. scholarly consensus is that the trial damaged race relations in America. It didn't. And point to polling which shows that belief in Simpson's guilt depended on the race of the individual and not the evidence against him. Which is probably true. I, mean, I don't know at that point. Yeah, white people were like he's guilty. Black people were like he's not. That's And it was clear. <laughs> 10, ten blacks and three right. Asians and, what, two whites? No, that was ten black nine blacks two Asians I mean two, two Latinos two whites one Latino right analysis that of the, was an initial an right. initial one all right. the others there was so many people that got remember, there was only like two uh, original jurors that remains so who knows we don't even know what the other right. ones that got replaced right. were analysis of the racial gap in polling shows that it did not cross the political spectrum pretty much right. Republicans thought he was guilty right. and Democrats Conservatives, regardless of race or gender thought Simpson was guilty where the gap emerged was among liberals, with black liberals believe Simpson was innocent, while white liberals thought he was guilty. So white people thought he was guilty, black people thought he was right. not, pretty much. No, no matter what. African-American Stanford University law professor Richard Thompson Ford wrote that this made the verdict a wedge issue right. that divided liberals along racial lines as white liberals felt the verdict was a racially motivated jury nullification and resented the images of African-Americans celebrating the verdict. Right. Opponents of civil rights seized upon the situation and rebranded themselves as advocating quote-unquote, race neutrality, Mm. instead of separate but equal, Ah. which appealed to white liberals now due to the verdict and is credited with why voters voters in California passed Proposition 209 in 1996 that ended affirmative action in the state. (laughs) Okay. Ended affirmative action in the state. Okay. A historic drop in diversity in the United States. No, (laughs) no. California. A historic drop in diversity in the University of California followed which led to a similar lack of diversity seen in the state's white-collar job market, particularly in the high-tech area of Silicon Valley. Opponents then tried to pass Proposition 54 to effectively to effectively opponents then tried to pass Proposition 54 to effectively conceal the impact of Prop 209, but voters rejected that measure. The death of George Floyd revived empathy for racial injustice among white liberals, but the unsuccessful attempt to repeal Prop 209 in 2020 is credited to the trial's legacy of undermining race relations. Is it? Polling shows that minorities were divided by the verdict as well. Latinos and African Americans both believed that fraud was taking place in LAPD, but disagreed on the cause. Right. Simpson said he felt vindicated by the Rampart scandal, which proved that fraud was happening in the crash. It was. Which is an anti gang yeah, union. Anybody know they made a movie, it Crash. However,. However, this fraud was not racially motivated. All the officers involved were minorities themselves they were, in the crash anti-gang right, they unit they were and were actually found to be affiliated with one of the gangs they were supposed to be policing. Yeah. But crash. It there, still proof fraud was, was happening. Doesn't was matter. Fraud Does, happening. It doesn't matter who the frick the races were. Fraud was happening. So fraud was happening in, this, in right. this particular division right. of the LAPD no unit, what. whatever. It's it, happening throughout the whole damn system. Right. The For fuck sure. out of here. It was. It was. Definitely. Definitely. Several jurors together published Madame Forum, Foreman in 1995 to respond to allegations of the verdict was racially motivated. They concluded that Simpson probably was guilty, but the prosecution failed to prove it by... Beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the whole damn thing. We already know that's the only way the jurors go into the damn uh, juror room and they look at all the evidence and that's all that they look at. Reasonable doubt. They don't... Is there a reasonable doubt here that he is not guilty? Well, yeah. These guys wore the same gloves. We got misreputation on here. We got proven racism here. We got this here. The glove didn't fit. We must have quit. That's what Johnny Cochran mm-hmm. said. Johnny Cochran published Journey to Justice in 1996 about the trial and denied he played the race card and maintains the LAPD tried to frame O.J. Simpson. Hmm. Meanwhile, Robert Shapiro published the search for justice oh. in 1996 about the case, and he concluded there was reasonable doubt but criticized Bailey and Cochran for bringing race into the trial. In contrast to Cochran's book, Shapiro wrote, I never believed that Simpson was being victimized by a racist police organization because he was black or that he was seen as a black hero. Mm-hmm. Robert Shapiro knew he was guilty. He was just got he got paid oh, big man, ass bucks sure. to represent him. So for sure, just like any defense lawyer would. For Sure, I mean, but you have Furman being uh, interracial interracial uh, couple against her, <laughs> against and saying the n word right. seventy eight I mean, times or whatever I mean, the frick it was. Reasonable doubt. It goes all back to that. Mm-hmm. Marsha Clark published without a doubt. Oh, okay. 1998 about the case. So now all these p- players in the, uh, in the game here are making money off of all this shit. She, well, of course. Right. She wrote that the acquittal demonstrates the legal system is still compromised by race and celebrity. I agree, the celebrity part for sure. Because the prosecution's physical evidence should have easily convicted Simpson. 100%. Christopher Darden published in contempt. That's what he published. Oh, yeah. In contempt in 1998 about the trial. He attributes the acquittal to poor stewardship by a starstruck Judge Ito and a dysfunctional and uneducated jury. No, Judge Ito was he knew this shit was guilty. I said this from the beginning. <sighs> Judge Ito, that's what knew. he said. We said he was putting together the jurors right. because he knew that he knew it. they were going to find him guilty. I would say the jury had something to do with it. Dysfunctional and uneducated yeah. jury. Well, yes. I don't, I wouldn't say dysfunctional or uneducated. Right. I say a jury that was biased. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, say. Vincent Bugliosi published Outrage, The Five Reasons Why OJ Simpson Got Away with Murder in 97. Bugliosi believes Simpson was guilty and blames the verdict on an incompetent jury, prosecution, and judge. Yeah. No, no. I cannot say that. From everything that we heard so far, the judge. I don't know if the jury was incompetent, but prosecution was definitely incompetent. Yeah. Judge might have been. He, he might have been siding with hey, hey, uh, hey, OJ a little the bit. Story dude. About, you know, right. But from right. what I know, he's like, this is ridiculous what we're doing here. He writes that other than when a killer is apprehended in the act, I have never seen a more obvious case of guilt. All of the evidence, not some or most of it, all of it, he says, right. points to points irresistibly to Simpson's guilt and his guilt alone, which it, if you're looking at evidence, I'm really not. Right. Henry Lee, in the meantime, published blood evidence, how DNA is revolutionized the way we solve crimes, he released that in two thousand three, and wrote that both of the defendants are both of the defense's forensic DNA experts. Lee and Edward Blake had rejected check's contamination claim. Really, lots of stuff come out afterwards that uh, everybody that might have been on the defensive side uh, well, saying, "Wait a minute, well, maybe it wasn't." Here's the racist Furman p- <laughs> alleged <laughs> alleged racist Furman published murder. Dude, in imagine uh, every single one of these guys got book deals that were probably worth. Hundreds of thousands that's of ridiculous. dollars, dude. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where I'm getting it at, and that's where I'm... Um... Regardless of the outcome, all these people involved oh, knew they were getting money, Even O.J. <laughs> well, O.J. had money already. He yeah, knew he was just he getting more, book. right. He even wrote a book. Right. Affirming. Well, uh, well it's, it might even come up later. I don't know, because who knows? But uh, that, the book that he wrote, all the profits and proceeds go, went to the Goldman family, so... Okay. Furman published Murder in Brentwood. He published that in 1998, defending himself against fraud claims. He wrote it was taken the Fifth Amendment was to avoid prosecution for perjury, which damn right should have, right? Tom Lange, or Lange, and Philip Van Adder, or Van Adder, <laughs> published Evidence Dismissed, the inside story of the police investigation of O.J. Simpson. They published that in 1997. And defended themselves against allegations of corruption and incompetence. So basically, each person involved are writing a book defending themselves. Yeah, but <laughs> that can't is. defend himself. There's nothing to defend himself for. Why? Banader, and it wasn't him and that Fold guy or Fook. What was his name? Fung. Fung. Fung is the one that, that was the evidence had. collector, uh, right? An idiot. Daniel M. Petroselli published Triumph of Justice, the final judgment of the Simpson saga in 1998, and compares the criminal and civil trials. He attributes, <laughs> he attributes the acquittal to bad rulings by Judge Ito, unethical behavior by the defense, and unreliable testimony from Goethe's writers Lee and Baden. It's true. Darnell Hunt published O.J. Simpson Facts and Fictions, News Rituals in the Construction of Reality, why do people always choose long titles? Right. And wrote that the racial gap in Poland is a manufactured product of selective reporting of facts by the media, due to them treating the trial as a form of entertainment and not as a legal proceeding. Which I think true. which is true as well. Both of those are true. Yes. November two thousand six, Reagan Books announced a bo- a book ghost written by Pablo Fenzves F E N J V E S Fenzves Fenzves based on interviews with Simpson titled, If I Did It. There's it it. at. There it is. Which the publisher said was a hypothetical confession. The book's release was planned to coincide with a Fox special featuring Simpson on the 20th of November in 2006. News Corporation canceled the project due to public criticism. Later, the Golden Family was awarded the rights to the book and published it under the title, If I Did It, Confessions of the." killer. Right. That should have capitalized the... Right. March 11, 2018, Fox broadcast Simpson's previously unaired interview in a special titled O.J. Simpson, The I, Lost I Confession. Yeah. The interview was interpreted as being a form of implied confession because Simpson used first-person language, uh, things like I must have, in explaining how he committed the murders. I must have did this. I m- maybe did that. Oh, I can see them saying that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're saying I must have. Guess what? It doesn't matter. He ain't being tried again. So he can say I must have or I did have. No, he could. Right. Let's say. Yeah. Let's say I did do that. Let's say I did. Well, let's say I did. This is how I would have done it. And and if I did, this is what I would have done. Right. And be like, maybe I did (laughs) accidentally drop that glove by Cato Kaelin's door. Right. On purpose. On purpose. Accidentally on purpose. In an interview with Barbara Walters, Robert Shapiro, who is Jewish, we already mm-hmm. went through this a million times, mm-hmm. said he was offended by Cochrane comparing Furman to Adolf Hitler. We already said that. And he said... It was a uh, recent interview. Right. He said that he would never work with Bailey or Cochran again. Well, Cochran's dead. He also admitted defense played the race card yes. from the bottom of the deck. From the bottom of the deck. They had to go through the whole deck to get to the card. Robert Kardashian admitted that prior to the jurors visiting Simpson's home, that the defense team had switched out his photos of white women for his photos of his children, and switched out a picture of a nude Paula Barberi Simpson's girlfriend at the time, who was white, oh a white chick, for a Norman Rockwell painting of Cochran's office from Cochran's from Cochran's office. Okay. Uh- <laughs> oh, wait, so they went. So they what? Well, because because. They wanted to predict him right. or portray him as like a right. family man right. and said he had uh, white women all over his uh, freaking house. And as I said, uh, that's what I said when the cops I told you when the cops went in there, all they found was pictures of white people right. and that's pictures it. of him with white people. Right. And that's all they ever found. Right. Simpson gave two high profile interviews regarding the case, one in ninety six with Ross Becker and one in that two thousand four with Katie Couric. Oh, wow, he did one in ninety six, like right after the trial. In February ninety eight issue of Esquire, Simpson was quoted as saying, let's say I committed this crime. Even if I did this, it would have to have it would have to have been because I loved her very much, right? <laughs> mm, that's, not how, <laughs> that's not how you show love, what? OJ. What? You saying if you would have <laughs> It, I had to murder her because I loved her. And yet he had, had to murder her the way you did? I used to love her, but I, but I had to kill her. When did that song come out? Jeez. Damn it. In April 98, Simpson did an interview with Ruby Wax and pretended to stab her using a banana in an apparent joke referencing the stab and death of his wife. <laughs> this, this dude, dude is, is just trolling is, everybody. Yeah, he's like, I'm good. Jeez. I am good, May. 2008, Mike Gilbert released his book, How I Helped OJ Get Away with Moita, <laughs> oh, which quotes Simpsons allegedly saying, if she hadn't opened that door with a knife in her hand, she'd still be alive. Also, oh, now she pulled, where'd the now knife she go? Had where'd the knife go? In a documentary, OJ Made in America, Jerry Carrie Best said she believed 90% of the jury actually decided to quit Simpson as payback for Rodney King. Wow. Cause all those guys got acquitted. Maybe though. I don't know. It was only two people got brutally murdered though. It was only, yeah, but different story. You've seen what happened in the Rodney King stuff. We already covered that one. You guys can go back in the 92 riots episode, uh, for that. This whole city's still on edge, dude. Very true. For real. That's very true. Well, very true. Meanwhile, juror Lionel Cryer, who gave Simpson a black power salute after the verdict, said in retrospect he would render a guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. Juror Anise Ashenbach, who initially voted guilty before changing her vote, stated she regrets the decision and believes Simpson is guilty because he is not looking for the real killer like he promised he would. Of course he's not. Either are the police. The police even said it. Well, they know who the real murderer is. That's why they're not looking for him. But but Simpson did say that after the you trial. I, I promised to dedicate my life to looking for Nicole's uh, murderer. Oh, he already found it. <laughs> well, he looks in the it. mirror every morning. And he's seen it. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> oh. He knows who it is. He's like, tag you <laughs> it. Found you. <ya." laughs> found you, bud. Let's go on with my life, Jeez, dude. Nineteen ninety six. Fred Goldman and Sharon Rufo, the parents of Ron Goldman and Lou Brown, father of Nicole Brown, filed a civil suit against Simpson for Bronco death. Sure did. They're represented by Daniel Petroselli and Simpson by Robert Baker. Why didn't I get concern? I think Cochran was like, I ain't doing no more of this. Like, I ain't well, plus this. He was He's like, t- you're losing this one. <laughs> Cochran only did uh, criminal stuff, right. though, I believe. Uh, the judge presiding was Hiroshi Fujizaki. Wow. Did not allow the trial to be televised. Never should have. Did yeah. not sequester to the jury. He did not sequester the jury, though. Right. And prohibited defense from alleging racism by the LAPD from condemning the crime lab. Oh, so all that. He's like, I don't want to hear it. So we're not... We're not. We're not televising it. No. The the jury can be free to um. Right. They can't come in. They can come in. No. The jury can be free to look at news. They can look at anything Mm. while the trial's going on. And you guys can't mention racism by the LAPD. And you can't condemn the uh, crime lab for uh, um, contaminating evidence. Any of that, we're not hearing. We're not hearing any of that. That's a fuck trial though, dude. Right. That is messed up. Mm. Wow. That's just payback for him to uh. Lose the civil suit, my wow, my opinion there, dude. Right. The physical evidence did not change, but additional evidence of domestic violence was presented, as well as 31 pre-1994 photos of Simpson wearing a Bruno Magli shoe, including one that was published six months before the Moeda, proving it could not be a forgery. Hmm. Results from a polygraph test that Simpson denied taking showed extreme deception, when he denied committing the Moidas. So Simpson denied he targeted. So that polygraph test. Screw that polygraph test. I thought he said he didn't want to take one anyways. Right, so screw that. I don't want to hear anything about that. Furman did not testify, but Simpson did on his own behalf and lied several times. Oh, did? according so to who? Did he, though? Nevertheless, the jury found Simpson liable for the murders and awarded the victim's families $33.5 million in compensatory and punitive damages. Simpson filed for bankruptcy afterwards and relocated to Florida to protect his pension from seizure. His remaining assets were seized in auction off with most being purchased by critics of the verdict of the criminal trial to help the plaintiffs recoup the cost of litigation. Simpson's Heisman trophy was sold for two hundred and fifty five thousand five hundred dollars to an undisclosed buyer. That's not allowed. It's not. You can't sell your Heisman trophy. No. You're, or no, that's the Oscar, I think. Yeah, you're, Oscar you're instructed to give it back. All, right. All the proceeds went to the Goldman family who said they have received only one percent of the money that Simpson owes from the wrongful death suit none of the money went to Nicole round sister or it was just the. yeah both of them sued him so why did it only go to the goldman family that's all this. wow according to oj made in america director ezra edelman no plausible alternative theory has emerged since the trial so why would there be right such theories has been rejected by the trial's participants with hunt opening with hunt saying that these claims were attempts to tap into the public interest in the case and were never meant to be taken seriously William Deere published OJ is innocent and I can prove it. Okay. Which was adopted, adapted into the BBC documentary, The OJ, The True Untold Story. That was in 2000. Well, that documentary primarily rehashes the contamination and blood planting claims from the trial right. and asserted that Simpson's elder son, Jason, is a possible suspect. That's oh. what the. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm glad this came up. They've been saying there's been a rumor for about 25 years that his son was the one that actually did it. Really? Uh, alternative theories of the murders have ju- suggested that they related to the L.A. drug trade and the murders of Michelle Nig and Brant Cantor. Uh, well, remember her friend was uh, um the drug addict. They didn't even right. th- in this whole trial they never Not brought up drug. the the friend being a druggie and all that or, stuff. Or uh, uh, Kidman, Kidman, Kidman. Uh, Brown was a druggie, right? Goldman was a druggie. Supposedly, uh, OJ was on crystal meth with Kaylin. Mm, right. Wow. 2012 documentary film, My Brother, the Serial Killer, alleged convicted murderer, uh, Glenn Edward Rogers confessed to being involved in the murders and claimed he had been hired by Simpson to do it. Mm. I can see that. The families of Brown and Goldman dismissed its claims and accused Henry Schleif of investigation and discovery of irresponsibility. that's irresponsible of you, bud. Right. I'm going to charge you with irresponsibility. Hmm. He replied that he believed Simpson was guilty and documentary's intention was not to prove Rogers committed the crime. He's like, no, Rogers didn't do it. Well, in 1995, Fox premiered the television movie, The O.J. Simpson Story, which followed some of the more tawdry events of the relationship between Simpson and Brown, up to and including his arrest for Brown's murder. Simpson is portrayed by Bobby Hosea. 2000, 20th Century Fox produced American Tragedy, starring Ving Rames as Cochran. Why? why? Ving Rames as Cochran? Why? Well, that's a hell of a choice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Christopher Plummer as Bailey, Ron, Ron Silver as Shapiro, and Raymond Forchion as Simpson. Mm-hmm. BBC TV's documentary O.J. Simpson, The Untold Story in 2000, produced by Malcolm Brinkworth, reveals that Clue's that some believe pointed away from Simpson as a killer were dismissed or ignored and highlights two other leads, which could shed new light on the case. Oh, wow. Hmm. Jeez, just like anything we got got to... Of course. You know there's always going to be stuff that's going to be contradicting wow. and, and claiming they have ev- evidence on the other side. 2014, I.D. premiered. That's what Investigation discovery. Right. Premiered the documentary O.J., Trial of the Century, which begins on the day of the murders. Ends on the reading of the verdict and comprises
1: or comprises
0: actual, right. Oh yeah, and comprises actual media footage of events and reactions as they unfolded. All right, there's okay. lots of shit about uh, in the. I uh, okay. uh, might have to watch the, the the ID one. Right. 2016 in February, FX premiered this anthology series, American Crime Story. I remember that. Yeah, the I think that was with uh, right. Yeah, Travolta, David uh, Schwimmer, and yeah, all. They those all guys. Yeah, they all in it. The self-contained first season, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story was adapted from the book The Run of His Life, The People vs. O.J. That was in 1997 by Jeffrey Toobin, who wrote that book, who had also served as a legal analyst for the New Yorker on the trial. Eh, get out of here. The cast included Sarah Paulson as Clark, Courtney B. Vance as Cochran, John Devota as Shapiro, David Schwimmer as Kardashian, Sterling K. Brown as Darden, and Cuba Gooding Jr. as O.J. Simpson. Couldn't get in, uh, you couldn't get a black guy that looks less like O.J. than Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> Cuban kind of looked like O.J. back in the day, <laughs> not yeah, at not at all. Oh, jeez! It received critical acclaim and several Emmy awards. How oh, good did for them? They? Did they? Of course, they did. In 2014 in April, ID premiered O.J. Simpson trial: The Real Story, which entirely comprises archival news footage of the murder case, the Bronco chase, the trial. The verdict and reactions. All right. Well, the suit. Some Simpson War when he was acquitted on October third, ninety five, was donated by Simpson's former agent Mike Gilbert to the museum in two thousand and ten. The museum has multiple trial related items in their collection, including press passes, newspapers, and the mute button that Superior Court Judge Lance Edo used when he wanted to shut off live microphone in court so lawyers could talk privately during the trial. Okay. The museum's acquisition of the suit ended the legal battle between Gilbert and Fred Goldman, All right. both of whom claimed the right to the clothing. Weird. All right. Colleen's white Ford Bronco that he drove in the police chase was on display at the Alcatraz East Crime Museum in Pigeon Ford, Tennessee, as of late 2014. I think it's still there. In 2017, Adam Papagon curated a pop-up museum showcasing artifacts and showcasing artifacts from the trial at coagula curatorial gallery in la so if you're if you're interested into uh watching movies documentaries and going places where the actual stuff is that's where you got but holy shit what a shit show of a case i mean i knew it was a long case and 134 days and this and this and that. The glove didn't fit. You must have quit, right? All no, that that's all stuff. you ever hear is the glove didn't quit, Right. You must have quit. But guess what? There was a lot. Whoa. Holy! Like I said earlier, Whoa. the 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 prosecution Whoa. and the defense. Who They they had each other in check so many times. So many times. And then something would come up, and then they would get out of it, and then they get the next person in check, and then the pro uh, the 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 witness would change their testimony, or right. or something else would come up. Holy shit, dude. Wow. This I don't understand how like we were saying in uh part 1 of this episode. Don't understand how OJ wasn't immediately jailed and put in prison for life, dude. Cuz all 100% evidence points to but that then, motherfucker did it. But then it goes back to the socks, the glove, the shirt, the pants. I don't know, man. Mm, I believe, I believe that, yeah. I believe, I believe he has something to do with it. I don't know if he actually did it. But there is a long standing theory out there that his son was actually the one that, uh, I think he was there that, that committed Uh, the murders and OJ took the fall for it. I don't know what happened, man. The gloves just don't make no sense, leaving one at the crime scene and one found at his house. Socks. Especially the socks. And then the shirt's gone. The shirt and the pants on. and the shoes. He just takes with him in the knapsack and gets and rid of them. But he leaves the socks on the ground in the room. And that's the that's the one thing that will always stand out to me is the socks were left th- there, right? Do you think he, right? he do not know where the gloves were? He didn't know he dropped one at the crime scene right. and he dropped one there. Right. I think he would have known that. Or you think he didn't know? No, he knew. Right. Get out of here. He dropped one glove. Right. At the crime scene. And then drop no, the other. No, and drop the other one at his house. Why right. would he drop it at his That's house? Stupid. Behind you think. But you get think, rid of his shirt. But do you think he's that stupid? That and his shoes. Do you think he's that stupid that the cops wouldn't search his whole premises? Right. Like, oh, I'll just throw it behind, uh, but, but Kalen's a right. uh, little bungalow, and the cops right. won't search there. Right. But then again, get rid of his shirt, his shoes, and his pants. But not socks. Not the socks that are laying in the middle of his room when the when the uh, when the cops came back to get him. I don't get it. It's not making something ain't right here. Something ain't right. Wow, guys. <sighs> something ain't right. All I can say is, mm. <laughs> holy mm. shit! All I can say, well, I mean, America's justice system—that was in full display there. The jury was up to the jury to decide, and they—they, they, right, they decided. They did what? Um, but they did what? The justice prevailed with wrongful death cause, I guess. Even that, yeah. then, because that was a contaminated court. Too. Uh, yeah the, the the civil suit was fucked too oh, when right. when you wouldn't allow right most of the stuff that acquitted the guy in the first right. place of oh. course he's gonna lose right and then they got back at him for the um um held in the guy's hostages in his hotel room with a gun <laughs> rightfully so i mean but still you know they were you know when that happened uh, they were get they were getting his oh ass. for sure yeah there's nothing with that um with that being said Shitty trial. Email us CCN at... But, but, but we want to know what your guys' thoughts are on this trial. If you made it to the end of this episode, do you think OJ was guilty? Or do you think uh, maybe he was uh, conspired against and maybe his son was the one that actually did it? Send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at podcast at uh, at podcast on Twitter. And we'll be back next week for... Geez, I don't even know if we'll be back next week. Have <laughs> this long-ass episode. Oh, but, yeah, we'll be back next week. We're the Mouth of Michiganders with Bing Dang.